The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. And he said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying the Lord is my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under my feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I have a neighbor that I don't really like. She lives right above us on the, in our six-unit condo. And I haven't spoken to her since our big text fight about five months ago. Her number is now blocked from my phone. And sometimes I've even used the H word to describe how I feel about her. And yet, this sign right here hangs in our shared yard. And I'm the one who put it there. Love thy neighbor. You're black, brown, immigrant, disabled, religiously different, LGBTQ, fully human neighbor. And I really do believe these things, except for the one neighbor upstairs. Jesus says to the people who challenged him about the greatest commandment, that we are to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Really, Jesus? Even the one upstairs? Now, maybe you've heard before that preachers often preach the word that they themselves need to hear. So, you're welcome to listen in today as I preach to myself. How can so few words be so difficult to live? I mean, it sounds simple. Love God with all that you are and all that you have, and love your neighbor just like yourself. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we all could just do that? But unfortunately, we are a long way from perfection. As we often say as Lutherans, we are both sinner and saint, perfectly and fully redeemed by God, and at the same time, always in need of reforming. Now, maybe you can relate. How do you feel about your neighbor? Jesus says, love your neighbor, but what if your neighbor is a pain in the side or another body part? Theologian Frednick, oh, excuse me, Frederick Buchner writes in his comments about this text, by loving God and your neighbors, Jesus doesn't mean loving as primarily a feeling. 
Instead, he seems to mean that whether or not any feeling is involved, loving God means honoring and obeying and staying in constant touch with God. And loving your neighbors means acting in their best interests, no matter what, even if personally you can't stand them. Now, I like Buchner's quote because it allows me to act in my neighbor's best interests even while I'm complaining about them under my breath. Maybe Jesus believes that if we do that long enough, our feelings will begin to change. Or maybe Jesus doesn't care if our feelings change as long as we act in our neighbor's best interest. ELCA pastor Sharon Blessard writes, Love is patient and kind and all that jazz, but it is also tough. It works better as a verb than a noun. Loving God and loving neighbor is a lifestyle, not something we can turn on and off like a water faucet. It's a process, not a one-time decision. One grows into and leans into love. And by engaging in a life of loving God and loving neighbor, one chooses an alternative path, one that is countercultural and certainly less traveled. According to Buchner and Blessard, love is not about how you feel. It's about what you do day after day after day. And according to Sevig, it's not just about my neighbor upstairs or the one next door. We do not define our neighbor as people who live near us or share our values or like our social media posts. Our neighbors are the ones we usually consider other, the ones who are the quote-unquote wrong political party or whose skin color or sexual orientation is different than our own, the ones we criticize and demean on Facebook and Twitter, the ones who come from a different homeland or speak another language. Our neighbors are the ones that we cherish and value and our neighbors are the ones that we distrust and, dis and demean. To love my neighbor as I love myself means that whatever perks and privileges I want for myself, I must also extend to my neighbor. Whatever rights I believe that I deserve, I should make sure that my neighbor has as well. Whatever fundamental protections I believe that I should have, from a roof over my head to access to health care to the ability to speak freely, I should work to ensure that my neighbor has as well. Under Jesus' definition, there is a world of people out there who are our neighbors, whether we realize it or not. In Thessalonians today, we read what Paul said to the early believers who were learning to love God and neighbor in fresh ways. Paul writes, so deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Imagine a life lived in this way, where our deep connection to God in heart and soul and mind empowers us to love our neighbors to love our neighbors and sharing ourselves in service to others. 
Now, as Pastor Craig said first thing this morning, it is Reformation Sunday. But instead of celebrating our Lutheran history and heritage with some sort of big pep rally, we need to ask what sort of reforms the church needs now. How do we love our neighbors as ourselves in a reforming church? Do we need to address system, excuse me, do we need to address system racism, hunger and poverty that's growing worse every year, protections for our vulnerable neighbors? We need to ask who is not gathered around Christ's table with us and why not? Let's dream of a bigger reformation, one that looks at systems of power and Christ at work in the world today. Because of COVID-19, nothing is the same. So much of how we understand and how we live life has changed. So could the pandemic reform who we recognize as neighbors and inspire us to love God and neighbors in new ways? Many people have gotten to the point where they cannot talk civilly with one another or even listen to and consider other points of view. Where's the love of God and neighbor in that? We need a reformation of love, dear friends, a divine overflow of love poured out for our neighbor and for those we consider enemies. A bridge of faith constructed across a chasm of despair and fear and anger. And if we truly believe that Christ's nature is love, then how are we doing as faithful reflectors and ambassadors of that love? I believe we can do better. I know we can. I know I can, even with my neighbor upstairs. It is not going to be easy, but it is possible to love my neighbor, even the ones I don't particularly like, because this love is motivated by and expressed through the unconditional love that we receive every day from the Holy One. Whether we deserve it or not, whether we feel it or not, God's love for us overflows. And this Reformation Day, let love be the mighty fortress that cannot be breached. And let love be our watchword and response in the days to come. Amen.